1: Hello and welcome to Music to My Ears. In this episode, BBC Music Magazine's editor Oliver Condy met up with organist and choirmaster Anna Lapwood at Llandaff Cathedral in Cardiff. The evening before, just down the road at the Royal Welsh College of Music and Drama, Anna had been presenting the category finals of BBC Young Musician for BBC4. We chatted about her musical loves and discoveries from Strauss and Schubert to the Pulitzer Prize winning composer Caroline Shaw, as well as her work at Pembroke College, Cambridge, and as a presenter for both TV and of her show Classical Cambridgeshire on BBC Radio Cambridgeshire, which, since this interview, has sadly come to an end. We recorded this interview before lockdown. And do listen out for the beautiful choral piece Media Vita by Carenza Briggs that features on a brand new album of choral works sung by the choir of Pembroke College, Cambridge, where Anna is currently music director you get a chance to do many recitals? Because you're, I mean, being busy and all that. <laughs> you
0: know. There, are, I've got a lot <laughs> coming up, actually, um, which is nice, although it's sort of getting your brain back into that mentality. I've had a break for about two months, okay. getting used to new repertoire and things like that. So I'm doing a lot of transcriptions in my upcoming concerts, which should be quite a lot of fun. Oh, okay, well, what have you transcribed? Um, so when, I'm doing some of Sanson Carnival of the Animals, uh, which well, actually works really well on the organ. Not the whole thing, just little bits of it. Um, and then I've just finished transcribing the 4C interludes, which work beautifully. From Peter Grimes? Yes, from Peter Grimes, which are amazing and we've just got permission from the Britain estate to actually use them, which is always a relief when you've spent hours transcribing something. Um, and then um, there's a transcription of Ravel's Tombeau to Keep Around that I'm doing as well.
1: So. Oh, fantastic. The whole lot?
0: Uh, no, I'm just doing the prelude and the rigodon and the forla
1: as well oh nice so not the toccata no which we actually heard last, heard night. last I night i know which is lovely uh, in in the young Musician because you're yes. bbc young musician you're one of the presenters this year
0: i am yeah the
1: reason we're here in clandaff cathedral is because the category finals of the piano were taking place at the royal welsh college of music and drama which is a wonderful hall actually oh
0: beautiful yeah
1: and um this is your first year presenting and you're doing something to tell tell us a little bit about that
0: um so yeah i am presenting all of the bbc for coverage of the competition this year and it's a competition i have grown up watching and i think i remember the first year that is sort of in my memory is peter moore when he won because i think we're probably about the same age so i was sitting there age 12 watching the telly with my feet up and i remember watching him play and thinking hang on a minute it's ridiculous he's the same age as me I went off and practice and my parents like no no, you need to go to bed I was like no I want to want to carry on practicing and so to now be actually involved in the competition and being able to talk to the competitors and hear all their performances and chat to the judges as well it's oh it's a dream it's great
1: it's a lot of work for them I'm always sort of slightly awed by what I was doing at that age Mm. and what they're doing at that age I mean it's it's a world apart
0: well I think the thing that I love most about the competition is that particularly at the moment, I think kids of that age or young people of that age are actually getting a bit of a bad rap and being accused of being lazy and uh, uncultured. And you just have to look at that competition and you've got 25 people who prove that wrong straight away and they're only the tip of the iceberg.
1: They are. All the people that entered. I mean, you have to be at least grade 8, don't you, to enter. Did you enter?
0: No, I never did, actually. I think because I I describe myself as an (laughs) all-rounder. So I, I love playing lots of different instruments as opposed to kind of focusing more... Yeah, when you say lots... Quite a few. <laughs> quite a few? Go on, tell us. Um, oh, gosh, this is where it gets. I, <laughs> so I'm embarrassed to say that when I was at school, I... Didn't have many social skills, and used to introduce myself as "My name's Anna Lackwood and I play twenty instruments." Um, I did count six different kinds of recorder as different instruments, so I don't know <laughs> if we can really say twenty.
1: So did that mean you had many friends then? No, no, but that's okay. <laughs>
0: you know, music the respect is
1: exponential as you get older. Yeah. You know,
0: people... no, I did, I did have friends, but I think it was. It, it's, I always say it was interesting growing up and being, I guess, very focused that I knew I wanted to do music in some way. And I just spent all my free time in the music block and practising, and that's what I wanted to do. Um, And, yeah, I think it was... I'm glad I did, because I don't think I'd be where I am now without it, even though I'm not necessarily doing the instruments I was playing then, so I don't play the harp anymore, but... I'm still glad I put all those years into it
1: yeah you must have had good support from family and from your school and yeah my family
0: my poor dad had to drive me around with my harp for four or five years and the number of times we'd have to sort of see how quickly we could get the harp out of the car in a busy lane of traffic and things like that it's quite fun Mm -hmm. it forms memories doesn't it
1: So what I want to know is, talking about sort of family life and early music education, Is what was the first piece of classical music that you really sort of fell in love with?
0: Oh, that's a re- it's actually a really difficult question. I think, I mean, the first piece that I fell in love with to play, I think, was Debussy Clair de Lune. And I think it, the reason it means a lot to me is I remember learning it and thinking I knew how to play it when I was far too young. And then coming back to it three or four years later when I'd actually lived a little bit more and it meant something totally different to me and so i think that piece has meant a lot to me over the years um to listen to it's tchaikovsky's romeo and juliet um again i think i played it and in an orchestra and just fell in love with it it was the first big orchestral piece i played
1: yeah. so you like all the stuff that tugs at the heartstrings oh
0: i'm such yeah. a sentimental person yeah
1: okay <laughs> and so you became an organist then
0: oh, i know right <laughs> <laughs> i thought I'd counter- something. <laughs>
1: So you were the first female organ scholar at Magdalen College, Oxford. I read something, like in 400 years or something in its history.
0: I think when I was there, it was 465, so what, 479? Yeah,
1: it's it's funny because there are lots of female organists around. Mm. It's just that the doors, either they have felt the doors haven't been open or the doors haven't been open. I'm not quite sure.
0: I think they are. Um, When I was applying, I remember being told that... I couldn't apply to a core foundation because I was female, which was entirely incorrect, but you still listen to what someone says and assume it's true. Um, And I just sort of went for it anyway. I didn't think I'd get it. And I I wonder if part of the problem is that when you're looking at organ scholarships, I'm stereotyping a tiny bit, but the female organ scholars are slightly more likely to self-select themselves out of one of those positions and think, I'm not good enough, therefore I'm not going to try. And what I always say to people is, you don't get to make that choice. If you're interested in doing it, we will make the choice for you. And so it's still worth applying. Um, In terms of a sort of more general sea change, I think it is happening with the sort of influx of girls' choirs and things like that. We're starting to see them come through. Um, We run this organ day, Cambridge Organ Experience for Girls every year and we get 40 girls turning up um, between the age of 11 and 18 who just want to learn how to do it. And a couple of those are now applying for organ scholarships after a couple of years.
1: Excellent. So what are your duties at Pembroke? Because you have been there about a year? Four two, years. Four years. I is know, it really? You've four, been there four years.
0: It's, so I'm coming up to the end of my fourth year now. Wow. Goodness, um, time flies. Don't, it's ridiculous. I sort of thought I was going to be there for about a year and now I love it and yeah. never want to leave.
1: And did you apply? Did you sort of see the post and you thought, this is the kind of thing I want to do?
0: Yeah, it was when I was in the last year of my organ scholarship and I think I was suddenly had the panic of, oh my gosh, I don't have anything planned. And I applied for a couple of things and didn't get a couple of things and was thinking, oh, nothing's going to come up. And then the person who was junior organ scholar with me at the same time um, just said, oh, I don't know if you've seen, but Pembroke have advertised. Why don't you go for it and just um, try? And I really didn't think I was going to get it at all. Um, And I remember various rather scary directors of music or previous directors of music coming out of the interview room before me and me thinking, oh my gosh. Right. But then the more I looked into the job and research before the interviews, the more I sort of fell in love with it and saw the potential hmm. for expansion. So I got it and they, were, the Pembroke have just been amazing because... I have done so many ridiculous things in four years, uh, taking the choir to Zambia, Thailand, all of this. And they just say, yeah, OK, fine, as long as you get them all back safely. Yeah. They've let me set up a girls' choir. Um it's, it's a pretty exciting place to be at the moment.
1: Let's sort of pause there, because I want to ask you what the best concert you've ever been to is.
0: These are all actually quite difficult. They questions. are, aren't
1: they? <laughs> They're quite cruel. I, I think
0: um, it's funny. I, as a kid, didn't actually go to that many concerts. Uh, I think I spent a lot of time practising um, at school, and so I didn't go to many when I was growing up, but the most recent one I've been to that was really memorable was Ian Bostridge doing Winterizer. Um I mean, sort of a once-in-a-lifetime thing, and he was doing it in a really intimate space, just 80 people. And Where was it? At Pembroke, actually. At Pembroke. At actually. Pembroke. Um, and I th- th- we have these plaster birds on the ceiling of the room where he was singing. And so when the piece referenced birds, he was sort of looking at it. And I've just, I've seen so many people do winterize and he got this sort of, um, the dark nature of the piece, he got that across so well. And at the very end, he just held the silence for about three minutes and no one dared to move. A bit like one of the players yesterday who just held it at the end of the Ratmanov. Yes. It's an amazing thing when you have the entire room captivated in total silence.
1: obviously
0: singing in such a small room, his consonants are just amazing it's like uh, someone described it as the sound of ice cracking whenever he put a consonant down because he would sort of the vowel would tail off and then there'd suddenly be this at the end of it and when you're in this tiny little room that sort of goes straight to your heart it's yeah it was an amazing thing
1: if you're enjoying the music so far do head to this episode's spotify playlist where you can find complete performances of all the pieces discussed as well as some bonus tracks you'll find the link in the podcast description Um, I want to go back to Young Musician of the Year, actually, BBC Young Musician, because this isn't sort of uh, your first experience broadcasting. So you do do a live uh, three-hour show for BBC Radio Cambridgeshire. I do,
0: you? Classical Cambridgeshire. How
1: how is that going?
0: It's going really well, actually. It was an interesting thing. They have never had a classical show on the station before. And so when I turned up, uh, they asked me to do it. And it was very much trial and error at the start and mm. trying to find a groove. Um, And it feels like now, after a year and a bit, it has settled into a groove. We've got a really nice group of listeners who listen very regularly. Um, We're using it to try and showcase more works by female composers. So we have a classical core of 50 pieces by female composers. The idea being that we cycle them quite regularly in the show and they become familiar so that they are then seen as core themselves exactly. as opposed to always being othered. Um, so it's, it's quite nice being able to use it for those things. And then also it just means I get to chat to some of my sort of idols, yeah. which
1: is quite nice. Do you nice. know, it's, it's funny, I was in the car yesterday with my daughter and uh, we were listening to Radio 3 and there was a piece of music, what I assumed was Monteverdi. And uh, Alice said, my daughter, she said, is this music by a, a man or a woman? And I thought it was a really interesting question. I actually said, oh, it's probably by a man. And it was by um, Elizabeth Jacquet de la Guerre. And I had to turn around and say, I'm so sorry, Alice, this is (laughs) actually by a woman. So, you know, that's great that the actual, the expectations Mm. that music is going to be, music that's broadcast, music that's presented is going to be by a man is at last being challenged.
0: Yeah, and I think it's a difficult thing to do because you don't want it to kind of be totally blatant and say, right, I'm only going to play music by women. Um, And so I have the same thing in our music list at Pembroke. I try and have at least... One piece by a woman in every service, and what I love is that now one of our tenors turned around the other day and said, "Oh, I love what she's done there," and he hadn't checked. It was actually Ben Parry, and he just assumed it was by a woman. And I, I sort of love that he's assuming it the wrong way around. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's nice actually. And 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 there is more. Of course, the more you program. Music by women composers and your services, the more female composers are going to want to write stuff.
0: Well, exactly, yeah, and that's half half the battle. I think one of the questions you um, you emailed me was um a composer or a piece that is sort of particularly important to you at the moment. Yeah, and what's your
1: current sort of musical obsession? Obsession, yeah. yeah. And actually,
0: it's Caroline Shaw. Yes, um, yes she's fantastic. She's just amazing, and I think I it's her partita that i've just totally fallen in love with Mm. and i find myself keep i keep being drawn back to it over and over again and i sort of am listening to it several times a week now and just in the evenings i'm like oh yeah that's exactly what i want to listen to Mm.
1: And you're also going to be, um, well, you have recorded, is it Carenza Briggs' Medea Vita? Yes, Vita. So Carenza being the daughter of David. Yeah. But obviously we shouldn't necessarily assume that that well i don't know i mean he's such a great musical talent oh, i, mean, I think, you think I, there, I th- can you see a musical gene in there can you see yeah there's
0: definite bits of harmony that uh that you can see i mean he, he actually sent me a message last night saying she's got a couple of my chords in there <laughs> 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 but so there are there are definitely there are definite similarities i don't know if you'd know notice them if you didn't know mm-hmm. but i mean it's the most exquisite piece of music. I, basically, a Karenza and I were in touch anyway about other things. And I just said, we're doing this recording, um, mostly sort of music for night time. I'm trying to put as much new contemporary music in there as possible. Do you have anything? And she sent me that. And I sort of, I loved it straight away, but didn't know if the choir would sort of get into it. And they sang it through a couple of times and just now they want to sing it nonstop.
1: Do you commission lots of stuff?
0: We commission a little bit. I think it's the it challenge is always money, isn't it? And um, particularly having sort of set up all these new things at Pembroke, trying to keep an eye on the finances and not go completely overboard. We've commissioned Owen Park um, in the past and a couple of others as well. So
1: So I want to ask you the last question, actually, the piece that you can't live without. So it's not just a sort of obsession. It's if you had all your recordings taken away, everything stripped bare, oh, you had one piece of music. I really
0: don't you... like these questions. No, I you
1: know, but, you know, it's, it's kind of slightly tough. I think I, I
0: was thinking about it on the way here. I think it would probably have to be Strauss's *Metamorphosen* because it's the piece that I listen to when I just need like emotions totally unlocked. Sorry, I sound like a total slushy music listening person, but I, I'm not going to judge. It's I don't know. There's something I've, I, I sort of have listened to that piece in so many different places, um, in so many different moods, and it just seems to do it every time.
1: to the recording um, yeah. when's it out
0: uh well we've got two coming out so many med- media vita is in fact already out then all things are quite silent is coming out at the end of september so that's the album of music uh contemporary music a lot of it is by female composers a couple of token men in there as well just to Excellent. <laughs> swap yep. for the status yep. quo yep. uh, yeah. no, no, well joking. it was
1: international women's day yesterday of course so it's
0: that's international man's day today <laughs> international
1: man's day today so you know, <laughs> yeah. 364 days of the year exactly. unfortunately isn't
0: <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that's coming out in September and then our Christmas disc is coming out in October. Excellent. Um, So two coming out in quite close succession, but it's nice to start releasing things now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's brilliant. And I hear, although I don't know whether I'm allowed to say that there is an organ disc in the offings.
0: There is. Yes. Um, it is still in a very kind of, uh, early stage at the moment. Um, so I haven't quite figured out what I want to put on it, but I'm really hoping to record the Britain, um, at some point.
1: Anna, thank you very much.
0: No, thank you so much for chatting to me. It's
1: been fun. That was Anna Lapwood talking to Oliver Condy at Llandaff Cathedral in Cardiff. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from the team at BBC Music Magazine. Do let us know what you think of it by rating and reviewing it wherever you've been listening. If you want to find out more about BBC Music Magazine, we're available in print and in various digital formats. Or you can visit our website, classical-music.com, where you can read all about the latest music happenings, read thousands of reviews and a good deal more. Thank you to ACAST for hosting this podcast and to our producers, Ben Hewitt and Jack Bateman.